When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hi, listeners. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 336 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing all things algae. Microalgae is hitting the marketplace in a big way and a variety of ways, and algae is touted as the next big thing in environmental circles. But is this newfound love and adoration of algae truly promising, or is it just another false hope offering up more false promises? Today's show is split into two parts. In part one, before the break, we are outlining up-and-coming microalgae industries. We're discussing the where and the how algae is being used and why, from an environmental standpoint, algae is beneficial. And then in part two of today's conversation, which comes after our ad break, is algae's importance in human health and particularly its use as a supplement to help us get all the omega-3s we need without consuming fish. Overfishing is a big fat problem. Microplastics in our seafood is a big fat problem. And so algae may indeed be the scalable solution to our omega-3 health needs. Here today to help me parse through all of this is Corinna Belize. She is head of sales and marketing at Orlo Nutrition. She is also the host of the Care More, Be Better podcast. Corinna, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing good. It's 2023 and I'm raring to go. Me too. I woke up with a pup in my step this morning, so I'm just ready to tackle 2023. Why don't we start today by you telling us about yourself professionally and personally? Oh, wow. Starting with the big questions. Well, I'm a mom of two young boys. I feel like I need to say that first because I think being in my mid, now entering my late 40s with young ones, is it poses unique challenges. Let's just say that. Um, I have been working for the past 20 plus years in the natural products industry and some would call me an omega-3 evangelist. I've specifically worked in the spaces of omega-3 and health for the last 20 plus years officially since um, 2002. So I guess it's official two decades of becoming an expert in this particular field. We're definitely going to talk about omega-3s in a bit. And since you are an expert, I'm going to ask you exactly what an omega-3 is because we hear about them, but 
I don't know if I was at Trivia Night or on Jeopardy. I don't know if I could actually describe the definition of an omega-3. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you that in a little bit. But we're here today to talk about algae and seaweed. I must admit, I don't give algae much thought in my daily life. So tell us, what is the difference between algae and seaweed? Why is this group of photosynthetic organisms, uh, for lack of a better phrase, having its moment in the environmental movement. Tell me all about it. So most people don't really get this, but the reality is half of the oxygen that we breathe comes from algae. And so if you think about it, the first life forms on earth billions of years ago were single-celled algae, what we call microalgae. They're microscopic. They would change the color of the water that you're looking at. But they're really, really small. And they're able to reproduce really quickly. They double their weight each couple of days because they don't have to put energy into growing roots or leaf systems or branches or anything like that. They're just tiny little individual cells, right? And they are photosynthetic. So they're able to take the sun's rays, harness the power of that, create sugars that other things eat, and also omega-3s and some other things. So that's the microalgae. Most people understand macroalgae, seaweed, as being the kelp. Even if you wanted to go ahead and have some imame at a Japanese restaurant that's a seaweed salad or something like that, that might be what you think about as being e-seaweed. That's a macroalgae. So there's two essential classes of seaweed or algaes, right? The microalgaes, which are teeny tiny, and the macroalgaes. Okay. So I hear all of that. I think the average listener probably already knows that seaweed is healthy for us, but perhaps they've never thought about consuming algae, as in the green stuff that's skimming the top of the pond down the street. I I should say, too, in the environmental world in which I tend to scour the headlines, algae is never often mentioned in a positive light when it comes to environmental issues. I'm talking about eutrophication in which too much algae or algae blooms, I believe is the correct phrase, basically suffocates fish and other living things within water. Algae blooms form when we use too much fertilizers, when our detergents contain phosphates. Can you help me parse out the difference between good algae, or good microalgae, I should say, and the bad algae that's suffocating our fish? Well, I would say that there's no such thing as bad bad algae, (laughs) just like there's no such thing as good or bad fats, which I know which we're going to get into a little bit later. But Algae is even being used now as a tool for problems like that, where they will, at a water treatment plant that is at the intersection of, let's say, runoff and into the ocean, um, that they'll actually use algae to consume some of the phosphorus and other things that are in the water before the water is then expelled into what would be our waterways. So we've learned a lot about what you can do with different algae strains to support things like scrubbing the water for those nutrients that you don't want to enter the ecosystems over the past several years. There's even a company called Bloom that would go out there and harvest these out-of-control algae blooms and create 
uh, foam, foam for the sneakers, much like your, the tennis shoes that you were talking about in a recent episode of your podcast, where you're saying, hey, you know, you can actually recycle your sneakers by going to Nike and dropping off those sneakers, and they'll make them into the mats of your uh, uh, high school track field and things like that, right? So that rubberized material that you run on is better for your joints. It's also coming from recycled sneakers. Well, what if we were to make even our sneakers from those algae blooms? So there are different innovations that are coming out of this space, which I think make algae super cool, and which mean that we need to kind of keep a finger on the pulse of what is happening there. There's another really cool innovation that's coming out of the macroalgae space that I like to draw people's attention to because even as we work to create more regenerative systems where we are mindful of things like carbon emissions or carbon equivalencies, there's a world where we're now feeding macroalgae to cows and those cows are producing less methane. And methane is something like 80 fold more problematic than just carbon emissions. So if we can feed algae and macroalgae or microalgae and the nutrients that come from it to humanity and also to animals, then we can get to a point where we are creating more solutions and erasing some of these potential problems from our ecosystems around the globe. Hmm. So perhaps that was a little nerdy, but... <laughs> no, I mean, I love it. I love hearing about algae blooms in my sneaker foam and alternate ways to reduce the methane problem as it relates to the mass farming of animals for consumption. But I have to ask you there, I'm not a cow expert, <laughs> but I don't think algae is part of, and when, and when we talk about uh, cow's diet, I'm talking about an evolutionary perspective. I don't think cows evolved to eat algae. So how on earth is cows eating algae good for the cow? Well, let's just say that it creates less gas in their system. Um, there are also micronutrients present in seaweed and particular brown seaweeds, like the brown seaweed that they're feeding to these cattle, like fucosanthin, which are really great antioxidants, which help them to ultimately eliminate some problems from their systems. This is why they don't produce quite as much methane. It's not as difficult for them to digest. The thing that you end up having to be more concerned about when you start feeding seaweed to cattle is, oh, at what point are they getting too much salt? So there are great things that come from these algae species that we're just beginning to really learn about. Hmm. Well, I read too that companies are now popping up that specialize in creating disposable packaging, food packaging often out of seaweed. Tell me about this. What are your thoughts on this? Is this greenwashing or in your opinion, is it promising? It's not plastic, right? So you're using something that doesn't force you to go to a petrochemical to create a packaging solution. And so I think that first and foremost is really interesting. There are companies that are working to get to the point where we commercialize packaging, even for a simple supplement bottle to make it from algae. I've seen 3D printers actually print out um, at a trade show I attended a full Yoda head <laughs> from this plastic that's generated from algae as opposed to from a petrochemical source. So we are at this point when we start to work with solutions like that, we're using today's energy as opposed to borrowing energy from the past and creating this ungodly amount of CO2 in our atmosphere, which ends up creating all sorts of problems down the road. 
if we are able to build a system through which we are harnessing today's sunlight to create products that we need to consume, and also while sequestering carbon and producing oxygen as a byproduct, why the heck not? So I, I'm, I think there's a lot of promising research coming out in this arena, and I just think we should pay attention to it a little bit more closely. Hmm. You mentioned at the outset that microalgae and macroalgae are amazing carbon sequesterers. If that's even a word, <laughs> sequesterers. If that's the case, are there any large scale plans to create micro and macro algae farms to hopefully, you know, take some of the existing carbon out of our atmosphere? Yeah, you know, I think this will come down the road. Right now, the innovations are happening around nutrition science. Initially, a lot of money got dumped into algae research, looking to algae for a potential solution to replace petrochemicals for fuel, right? And so for a good 20 years, the Department of Energy was investing in a lot of these different projects. And what we essentially found was that by advents in the world of oil and gas, like fracking, you just got to a point where it was no longer tenable to look at algae for this particular solution. So that's when many companies started to pivot looking at algae from its, let's say, fuel source to one that's really more around the nutrient power of algae. And I think that's where things will stay because what we're finding with time as we do more and more research in the world of algae is that algae in general have an incredible array of nutrients some of which are in their most bioavailable form. And when we look at ways to grow them, if we're able to harness the sun's power or use only green energy, then we're able to capture CO2, produce oxygen as a side benefit. It's just kind of a co-product, so to speak, at cleaner air to breathe. And while at the same time, being part of the nutrition solution. Because if you look at something like what it takes to produce a pound of beef, and if we can see that we're able to produce a pound of protein from algaes that is only going to use what is something like 1% or 2% of the energy and resources, land, water, et cetera, that you might use to produce that pound of beef, well, you're only using 2% of that to produce what would be the nutrient power from algae, then we're going to see more solutions aiming in this direction. And then the side benefit will just be that, yes, we get cleaner air to breathe. Yes, we sequester carbon. We just need to be sure that we're mindfully growing algae, either using the sun and you know available photo array um, or green energy. Hmm. Well, your answer there started to veer into what I wanted to talk to you into in part two of today's conversation, microalgae as it relates specifically to what you call the nutrition solution. So we're going to take a quick break, Corinna, but when we come back, we're going to talk about whether, and I know you're going to say it does, but whether algae is promising as we look towards human health. So we'll get there after a quick word from our beloved sponsors. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection 
They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. I'm speaking with Corinna Belizzi. She is head of sales and marketing at Orlo Nutrition. Before the break, Corinna, you were discussing all the industries in which algae is supporting, or I guess a better word would be evolving. And we're on to the part in today's conversation where your professional expertise really comes into play. I know at the beginning of our chat, you mentioned that you are a quote, I wrote it down, an omega-3 expert. So talk to me, where does microalgae fall when we talk about human health, omega-3s? Walk me through it. So most people are already aware of DHA. DHA is one of the most powerful omega-3s ultimately comes from algae. And so this is something that has been in human consumption for a long, long time. In fact, all fish get the omega-3s, EPA and DHA from the algae they consume. So algae really is the number one source of omega-3s. And the algae that we are harnessing through our work with Orla Nutrition delivers an omega-3 in the polar lipid form, which is more bioavailable. So that means that it can get to work in your tissues, that you don't have to worry about things like a fishy burp, because first, it's not from fish. Second, it's better absorbed. And third, it can be in a smaller pill because you don't have to consume quite as much to get the benefits of it because it's better absorbed. So if we can go to this kind of mother plant, the first plant of any plant out there, and celebrate Veganuary or Veganuary (laughs) January with these powerful omega-3s, we can go to that direct source. We can get all of the omega-3s that we might need without even going to fish. We can cut out the fish and go straight to the algae. Okay. So I want to just make sure I'm hearing two points that you made correctly. I believe the first point you made was that we're already consuming algae supplements, perhaps, perhaps the DHA that we're getting in our multivitamin 
let's say, might be algae. Is that is that correct? Yeah, it could be. And it's possible if it's fish oil, it originally came from the algae that the fish consumed anyway, and that the fish then bioaccumulated along with toxins that come from our environment. And then the fish oil company would have to then scrub out those toxins by using distillation technologies and all these things that kind of break down the oil and put it back together and, you know, use a lot of energy along the way. And so ultimately, for the basic understanding of anybody out there, algae is that first source. You are going to get your omega-3s from an algae source. It's quite easy to do. Um, And if you go to something that's in the polar lipid form, you can take a smaller pill. It won't repeat on you. And ultimately, it's just a more enjoyable experience. So I definitely hear the point there in which you're saying, why kill and consume the fish if you're looking for DHA? We could cut the fish right out of the process. If the fish is getting the omega-3 from the algae, it's eating. Let's just cut the fish out and just go straight to the omega-3. But what is an omega-3? What does DHA do for us? We're missing a big piece of the puzzle here. (laughs) Right. I totally agree. So, you know, if we go back to that kind of 30,000 foot view, we are big fat heads. All of the fat in our brains is essential fatty acids. So half of the fat in our brain is actually made up of DHA. The other half is arachidonic acid, which is an omega-6. So you've got half of it made up of an omega-3 and half of it made up of an omega-6. An omega-3 is an essential fatty acid that's double bond begins at the third carbon molecule. That's what it means. That's very specifically it. Our bodies can't create omega-3s on their own. That's why they're called essential fatty acids, and that's why we need to consume them as opposed to just make them from the sunlight our skin sees or something along those lines, right? The same thing is true of omega-6s. They are essential fatty acids. Their double bond begins at the sixth carbon, which is why they get the name omega-6, right? But we get so much omega-6 in our diets because we eat seed oils, we eat processed foods, we get some really yucky things in our systems like trans fats. If we ever eat fast food, if we consume things that are like prepared foods that even say zero grams trans fats, if you look on the label and you read your labels, if you see the words partially hydrogenated or fully hydrogenated, soybean, palm kernel, et cetera, any of the oils, if it says partially or fully hydrogenated, that's a trans fat. So even if they claim to have zero grams, if they say that on the label, I would just straight avoid them. So there's two things that need to happen when people want to reach their optimal health and get all of the benefits of omega-3s. They need to reduce their consumption and overconsumption of omega-6s in the form of seed oils and also from animal products. That could be anything from your butter to your eggs to your chicken to your, you know, whatever you're consuming really, and increase your consumption of omega-3-based products. The problem with going to the omega-3-based products is that often we think that we're doing the right thing and when we're consuming something like fish sticks or tilapia, and the reality is those have seed oils in them, or <laughs> the tilapia is actually higher in omega-6s than omega-3. So it's a really complicated story. The best way to ensure that you're getting enough omega-3s is to eliminate seed oils from your diet, to consider eating a whole foods diet, and to supplement. 
And I, I always go to supplement because getting omega-3s in the EPA and DHA form, which are most utilized by your body, is very difficult unless you're consuming fish two to three times a week. Vegans are notoriously deplete in omega-3s, EPA, and DHA. This is something that we've seen through omega-3 blood spot tests by third parties where they'll actually do an analysis of a massive number of people, um, be the, those individuals that consume a daily diet that's the standard American diet, or even those that are really mindful vegetarians and vegans. And it's simply because they aren't consuming fish. And if they are consuming plant-based ones, they are consuming walnuts, chia seeds, things like that. It's actually difficult to get to EPA and DHA from those sources. We evolved along the coastlines, so we evolved consuming seafood. And if we're not going to eat seafood every day or three times a week, then we really need to consider supplementation. I personally made the transition from fish to algae long ago simply because we see degradation of marine environments. We see buildup of toxins. You'll hear things like people are consuming a credit card's worth of plastic every single week. This is coming from our food sources. We have a toxic environment. The fish, unfortunately, bioaccumulate toxins. They also bioaccumulate plastics, especially if you're eating fish that eat other fish. And so even when you hear things like to get more omega-3s, you should consume smash fish, which is sardines, mackerel, anchovies, salmon, and herring. That's smash, right? Salmon. Salmon is a carnivorous fish. They eat other smaller fish. They are bioaccumulating toxins. And most people, when they go to eat salmon, they're ending up with the farmed stuff. Well, there's all sorts of problems that come from farming salmon, like sea lice and polluted environments, degradation of those ecosystems too. You're just in this situation where you can't win. So unless you're going to consume a can of sardines or anchovies on a weekly basis, it really is smartest to go to something like an algae supplement that you can trust, that you know is sustainable, that you know isn't bioaccumulating all these toxins, and that safeguards your health. While at the same time, I will always say this, reduce your consumption of the seed oils, reduce your consumption of animal products, because this will create an inflammatory cascade if you're consuming a lot of omega-6s, whereas omega-3s support the anti-inflammatory end of your health and ultimately will reduce things like joint pain, help with mental clarity, provide moisture to your eyes and your skin. You'll develop healthier, um, just a more general sense of health. You hear mostly about fish oil for its cardiovascular benefits and its brain benefits. But omega-3s are used in every single cell of your body. You've got 37 trillion cells in your body. And the moment that I think you, people get to an understanding that this particular type of fat fuels all sorts of health processes in their bodies, then they can start to make health choices that will move them in the right direction. And this is why my husband calls me an omega-3 evangelist. <laughs> Not expert evangelist, but evangelist. You know. <laughs> I love it. Well, you aptly make the point that Microalgae is the solution to not just the overfishing issues that our oceans face, but also the human consumption of a credit card's worth of plastic each week and the consumption of whatever toxins the fish consumed. So the argument is there and it sounds sound, but I must be honest and say that the thought of 
you know, even if it's in pill form, even if it doesn't look like the green goo on top of the pond, there is something inside me that's saying I am not dying to consume algae at this moment in time. So what do you say to listeners like me who kind of crinkle their noses at this or, you know, just aren't thrilled about all of it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what you describe essentially has me thinking of pond scum or my fish tank and cleaning the sides of it, right? With a little, I have a little magnet thing that I push back and forth to clean the sides of my my son's fish tank. So I get it. I get how this could develop a kind of negative perspective. What I would invite people to think about, though, is, you know, that fresh smell when you're walking by the the ocean and you get the sea air coming your way. A lot of that comes from the algae that is growing in the water. Fresh algae doesn't smell bad. It doesn't smell like rotting fish on a dock. I mean, people had this really negative perspective of what fish oil was when I first entered this industry. and the reality was that we had to dispel their beliefs that fish oil had to be something that was rancid, icky, yucky. Well, I think we're in that same space to your point when it comes to algae, because a fresh, really responsibly grown algae that isn't full of other yuckiness is is actually just like fresh sea air. It's not something that is a negative scent at all. Um, You know, when you start to look at how cool algae is in other arenas, be it the use in sneakers or packaging, then I think we start to change people's mindset around the entire set of nutrients. Yeah, your comparison there to fish oil makes me think about how, you know, today on a supplement bottle, let's say, fish oil made with fish oil is a flex, right? But if we really think about that, like there must have been a time when fish oil was facing an uphill battle as it relates to turning the public's perception, right? And so algae is the same way. Perhaps at this moment in time, my nose is slightly crinkling at the thought of algae consumption, but five, 10 years made with algae on my supplement bottle is going to be the flex, right? It's just we're at that critical juncture in time. And so I want to just make this point clear. I don't believe that over at Orlo Nutrition, you guys are skimming ponds for the algae that you then put in your supplements. Why a closed system over natural sources? Isn't natural best? Yeah. Well, to your point about ponds, right? If you're growing in an open pond, every time it rains, you get new algae strains growing in your pond. And you might get undesirable algae strains growing in your pond. You also have pests that might come in that want to consume your algae and therefore reduce your yield. You might also have, you know, things like amoebas and... um, you, know, you don't want to necessarily think about these, but these are microscopic little beings that like to eat the microscopic bits of algae, right? When you're growing in a closed system, like we're growing, essentially taking all of the benefits of the fact that algae can grow and double its weight each two days and put it into a closed system where essentially it's growing in glass tubes exposed to only the light that algae thrives seeing. So we have a perfect mix of blue and red light. It ends up looking fuchsia. The algae is then 
given only the nutrients it needs to thrive. And also because it's a closed system, we're using only pristine water, the nutrients that are needed. And this means that in the end, the algae is able to retain all of its nutrients in the most bioavailable form without getting any of the negatives of growing in an open pond, having infiltration of other things that you don't want to be growing in there. And also considering things like contamination from environmental systems. Well, Corinna, I must say you are convincing me. I mean, take the fish out of the equation. That seems simpler and smarter. You did mention, though, also that I believe you said microalgae is made with polar lipids. Is that right? Which are absorbed by humans more efficiently than something like a fish oil. What does that mean for the non omega-3 experts and evangelists out there. I'm sure I have listeners who are listening right now and are perfectly happy with their fish oil-based supplements. Convince me, convince them that polar lipids are the way to go. Well, I mentioned earlier that a polar lipid is less likely to create that burp or that, you know, kind of negative regurgitation, fishy flavor, things like that. That's the number one complaint that you would generally hear from people who consume fish oil. And the reality is even if it's super fresh, you might still experience a little bit of that aldehyde byproduct that repeat on you. And that just simply doesn't happen with something in the polar lipid form because it's better absorbed into your system. But I also learned something really critical for let's say 15% of the population out there if you happen to have the APOE4 genome type, and this will only be something that people know if they've gone through and had their blood tested or their um, genetic test done through 23andMe or Ancestry, something like that. If you are of the APOE4 genome type, you'll be less able to absorb triglycerides into your system, which are like the fish oils out there. And this essentially means that you won't get the benefit of the omega-3s. That means that they won't be absorbed into your brain tissues, your eyes. You won't basically see the same benefit. But you're essentially taking out the guesswork when you consume an omega-3 in this polar lipid form. And it ultimately means that your body will be assured to be able to integrate these important fats into your cellular structures and that you will see a benefit long term. Now, that means that you could realize the benefits of taking an omega-3 in weeks rather than months. That being said, you know, generally speaking, people can test their levels of omega-3s and then test them again in three months to see how they fared and then make adjustments that are personal to their needs. This is something that is really becoming the new wave of human and clinical nutrition is really smarter nutrition, testing yourself and seeing how you fare for something like your omega-3 index, and then making adjustments and taking the right supplements for you long-term. So I just don't see a negative from taking an algae-based product over a fish and also consuming one and the polar lipid form offers me that added assurance that I'm getting it in my cells where it can get to work, where I don't have to worry about inflammation-related disorders as much because I'm getting something that supports my body's natural anti-inflammatory response. All sounds great. Where can me and my listeners learn more about all the innovation that Orlo Nutrition is truly um, trailblazing? 
Wow. I would invite them to visit orlonutrition.com. That's O-R-L-O nutrition.com. We also host a podcast. Well, I host the podcast called Nutrition Without Compromise, where I interview health experts from around the globe, around their specific areas of expertise, and share my knowledge as well about omega-3s and how they can impact health long-term for everything from cardiovascular health to attention and focus. Do you want to plug your personal podcast? Oh, hey, I do have another podcast called Care More Be Better, which is focused on social impact and sustainability. I do deep dives into things like regenerative agriculture and things that people can do to lead a more climate responsible life in that space. From time to time, I also touch on social impact issues, and that is simply visible by going to caremorebebetter.com or listening on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. It's there. Well, Thank uh, you for that. You're welcome. Well, I will link to Care More, Be Better in the show notes, along with everything else we talked about today. How the episode that you guested on, which is, I believe, one of my first 10, I think you were episode six, if I recall. Yes, listeners, yours truly did make an appearance on Care More, Be Better. And I loved every second. I love what you're doing over there and at Orlo. And so, Corinne, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I no, my ears will perk up every time I hear or see something about the algae takeover. So thank you so much. Can I offer your listeners a discount on our website? I mean, yeah, who doesn't love a discount? <laughs> Great. So if you visit orlonutrition.com, you can use the coupon code SUSTAINABLE10 just for the Sustainable Minimalist community and get an extra 10% off we also have products available on Amazon now. I know it's the um, kind of needed devil in the room to make sure you can reach more people, but um, we only ship with eco-friendly packaging. Um, it really is something we're super mindful of. So I think that will resonate with your community. So you're getting a re reusable glass bottle, recycled packaging, and post-consumer recycled packaging at that. Also printed with algae inks, so we're not using petrochemicals where we don't need to. Listeners, that's a wrap. Everything we discussed today, all of it in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 336. This was a longish episode, so I'm just going to say I'll see you on Thursday. Reach out if you need me. Take care.